Okay. What's going on, people? I've got a mic. I don't know if it's working or not. I gotta turn it on. That would be helpful. What about now? There it is. You guys awake now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it's awesome to be here. This is my wife, Lisa, and she's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Worthy of class. Okay. My name's Miles, and it's just cool to, to see what's going on here. Uh, you know, I get to see the Friends of International uh, Ministry organization in passing, and you guys are just cool. And I'm always jealous and, like, wish I could spend more time with you. And so whenever Andrew invited me, I jumped at the opportunity. Uh, and so it's just sweet to be here, uh, to see how this ministry has grown, uh, and just to see faces that I don't know, people that I don't know. Uh, so hopefully I can make more friends tonight. Uh, but tonight we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6, so feel free, uh, if you have a Bible, to turn there with me. And the, the title of the, the message is Seeking the Presence of the Lord. And this has been a passage that's really ministered to me lately, um, because oftentimes I get to places where I, I realize that I need direction, right? Uh, where the situations that I'm facing in life are, are just bigger than I am. And I need wisdom, I need strength that's beyond anything that I can produce myself. And when I come to times like this, uh, I realize that I need to spend time with God. And I spend time with God by opening up this book, opening up the Bible, and spending time in His Word. And so usually that looks like me grabbing coffee, you know, got to get my coffee if I'm going to study the Bible. And then before I start studying the Bible, I'll pull out my phone because I'll, I'll want to check my messages, right? So that way I can put my phone away and I won't be distracted while I'm studying. And then when I'm checking my messages, I'm like, well, I might as well check the gram. You know, what's going on the gram? So I start scrolling through, through Instagram. And, and then I realize I don't have any food. And so if I'm going to study, I got to make sure that this atmosphere is right and I don't want to get up and come back down. And so I'm just going to get bring a snack over, right? And I'm like, it's kind of drafty in my house, so I'm going to grab a blanket. And I realize I got my coffee, but I don't have any water. And then I realize, actually, I'm just avoiding spending time with God. Have you ever been there? Where you know this is what you need, and so then you sit down and you start reading, and it's like you're staring at a brick wall. And you're praying, and it's like you're throwing words at a brick wall. Has anybody been there? Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. And so uh, we're going to look at a passage uh, where there's this guy named David. And David is known as the man after God's own heart. Uh, and he's seeking to be in the presence of the Lord. And he comes up empty-handed. He's been there as well. Right? He comes up empty-handed. And I'm sure this already sounds like a depressing message. And my prayer is that, uh, that this passage will become sweet to you. Uh, and that it be an encouragement to you and a model of how to pursue the Lord, uh, even when you come up dry. Um, and so, I don't know. I know that I've been there in hard places. Uh, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I just grow apathetic. And this is now a passage that's become just a safe refuge for me. And so, if you got 2 Samuel chapter 6, I'm going to give you a little background before we just dive in. I always tell my guys that, that the number one rule of Bible study is context, right? And so, it's helpful to, to figure out where David's coming from, what's going on, before we just dive into the passage. And so, going back to 1 Samuel... Uh, we see that Israel is just a rebellious and a wicked nation, right? Uh, they're under uh, the, the, the high priest at that time is a guy named Eli. 
And, and the priesthood, they're just corrupt. Eli's sons are just, they're horrible, right? They're taking advantage of the people. Um, the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the very presence of God in Israel, is lost in battle, right? Eli's sons, they take it out very presumptuously, and they have no reverence for God. They've got no reverence for, for this Ark. And so they, they lose it in battle to the Philistines. Uh, the Bible tells us that the word of the Lord was not present in Israel in those days which means that, that God stopped communicating to Israel. And eventually Israel would kick so hard against the plan that, that God had for them, they would demand a king. And, and the problem with this is that they're looking at all the other nations and they're saying, hey, we want to be like them. But all the other nations are just horribly wicked, right? Uh, they're these idolatrous pagan nations and, and they wanted a man to rule over them. And God was heartbroken because God was their king, right? But God, eventually, he just gave them over to their, their own desires, and he gave them a king because it's what they, they wanted. And so next thing you know, uh, there's a man named Saul uh, that's established as king. And Saul, he looked the part, right? The Bible says that he stood foot uh, above everybody else. The only problem is that, that Saul was an antichrist. <laughs> he was full of himself, right? This guy, he only cared about himself. He's more focused on, on public perception than God's view of him. Uh, he was very insecure, so much so that he started waging war against a, a man named David. Right? David is, is this young man, and David's chief pursuit is to bring God glory. And, and Saul's so terrified of this man and, and him being a challenge to his throne. And so by the end of 1 Samuel, we, we see that Saul, who's a king, is relentlessly pursuing David to kill him. And, and the tables turn in a complete 180. And Saul ends up dying, right? And then the process, David ascends to the throne. And so if you can imagine, this is a period of incredible chaos in Israel. There's a lot of confusion. They're facing a civil war internally, right? There are threats that are, still exist from the surrounding nations. Uh, this is a season of great transition, of great uncertainty. I don't know if this sounds familiar to anybody. For David, this is not the ideal way to inherit a throne. He's facing many challenges ahead of uniting the country, uh, of establishing his throne, and, and of continuing to protect the nation. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, David's anointed king of Judah, and then we learn that he rules in Judah for seven years. And by the time we get to chapter 5, the rest of Israel comes before David and acknowledges him as king. And so you could say that there's a lot going on in David's life where we find him in 2 Samuel chapter 6, right? Mm -hmm. And so David, he's in this place where he realizes that the, the tasks that are ahead of him are way bigger than anything that he can handle. Where he realizes that he needs direction. Where, where he needs power that's above anything that he has. And so he does the right thing. He sought the presence of the Lord. And so first Sam, or 2 Samuel chapter 6 Verses 1 through 5 say, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him to Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadad uh, that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was in Gibeah, 
accompanying the ark of God. And Hiel went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries and timbrels and cornets and cymbals. And so we see that this is a very elaborate affair, right? As they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, this is very exciting. He gathers all the people from Israel. And we see that, again, David is seeking the presence of the Lord. And immediately, this sets David's reign on a completely different trajectory than, his predecessor, than the guy that was before him, right? Uh, Saul, it says in 1 Chronicles 13, that, that he never once inquired about the Ark. And his whole reign as king, it says that he never inquired about the Ark. Wow. And so leadership tip number one is that we have to spend time with the Lord. Uh, for us, if we meet with him through the Bible and prayer, and these are times uh, that, you know, uh, that we, we get equipping to, to lead others, right? As we spend time with God and his word, we get equipped to lead others. Uh, these are times where we gain direction. Uh, these are times where God judges us and keeps us holy. And so David, he's doing the right thing. He's pursuing the presence of God. And, and David brought an incredible crowd out. They, they had incredible music. Uh, they had the, the most expensive state-of-the-art equipment as they began to, to, to transport the ark. And just as they get rolling, just boom, they, they hit a roadblock. It was more like a pothole. They hit like a pothole, right? Yeah, it was more like a pothole. It says in chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, when they came to, to Nahum's threshing uh, floor, Uzzah put forth his hand on the ark and took hold of it, but the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Pera Uzzah. For this day, uh, and the, 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 and David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him and to the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So, so here in the midst of seeking the presence of the Lord, David encounters a problem, and, and this results in him getting frustrated. Uh, David is afraid, right? Uzzah just died, y'all. This is crazy. He's seeking the presence of the Lord. He's frustrated because of the results. He's afraid. He's a little bit embarrassed, and it leads to David giving up. And, and again, David was just crowned king. He's leading the nation of Israel through one of the, the most tumultuous periods that, that, that they've ever seen. He's seeking the Lord. He's doing the right things. And he feels like God, he just won't meet him there, right? Instead of blessing his efforts, and instead of blessing his good intentions, God smote Uzzah dead. Uzzah, Uzzah died, you know? And this can be a very confusing passage, uh, you know? If you've ever been in a place where you're seeking the Lord with the right intentions, then you might be wondering, why would God do that? Why would God, he's trying to seek the presence of the Lord. They're transporting the ark to, to, to the city of David. These are all good things. These are all good intentions. And, and still God stroke who's a dead. Why would he do that? It doesn't make any sense, right? In verse 3, we see that David employed a new method for transportation. It says that they used a new cart 
And, you know, surely David would have spared no expense in the construction of this new cart, right? And, and if we start to think about it, it's actually genius, right? Using a cart to transport the ark, it'd make it a lot more expeditious, right? They'd move the ark in a faster manner. It would be a lot less labor intensive instead of, you know, uh, me and Abraham, you know, just picking up these poles and, and lugging the ark. They'd get to push it, which would be way better, right? I don't know about you guys, but if you ever, I don't know, um, where is, we've got any roofers in here? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're lugging stuff all the time. Is it way easier to just push something in a wheelbarrow or lug it? Wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow. So that's what they're thinking, right? This cart is going to make our lives way easier. We're going to get the, the arc to where it needs to be way faster, and, and we'll just be cool, right? But it's presumptuous, right? This is where the problem began. God had given specific instructions on how to carry the ark. We consider Numbers chapter 4 or Numbers chapter 7. Uh, we learn that God actually called them to carry these arcs on poles and not on a cart. The cart was actually a new method. And the cart was employed for the first time by the Philistines. And the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. They're the enemies of God's people. So what happened is whenever Israel lost the ark in battle, it ended up with the Philistines, right? And the Philistines realized that they don't want this ark because all these curses are busting out all over Philistine territory, right? So like, let's get this away from us. So they throw it on a cart and send it back to Israel. And so they're adopting these new methods from from the Philistines. Uh, but the first problem that we see is that David tried to seek the Lord in a manner that lacked patience and that resisted work. Did you know that this takes work? That this requires patience? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. It says to be a workman. That's work. We're to do work in the word. To be a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into what? Into the rest, right? It requires work. It requires labor. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. If we aren't willing to work in the word of God, we're not willing to spend the time that's necessary in seeking the Lord, we're going to come up dry whenever we're seeking his presence. It requires work and it requires time. Eric, uh, who Andrew was just talking about, is a really incredibly influential man in my life. And he always told me that the price for insights in Bible study, it's time. It just requires time. Uh, I had a coach, he'd always tell me that it's not microwave. Hey, it's not microwave, Miles, is what he'd say. And what he meant by that is that it takes time. You know, when, whenever we're, we're, you're cooking, Man, you want to throw your steak or your, your roast beef in the microwave? Nah, you want to still cook that roast beef, right? It takes time, and the result is way better. It's not microwave. And so often our good intentions are met with laziness and a hurried schedule. You've been there, right? You wake up a little late. Oh, man. And next thing you know, you're in a hurry, and your time for the Lord isn't what it should have been. And you don't get anything out of it. And you're like, man, there's good intentions. Uh, I, I checked that, that, that off the box. But you wonder why you came up dry, but God didn't meet you there. So, key question, is your time with God rushed? Are you willing to work hard to be in his presence, or are you looking for shortcuts? And so often, we're not getting anything out of our time with the Lord whenever we're seeking his presence, because we're not spending the time necessary there. 
because we were not willing to, to work in the word. So David's approach uh, to, to this work was a little lazy. But as we considered God's clear commandments uh, about transporting the ark in Numbers chapter 4, we also find that David lacked the reverence and consecration necessary for the work. In Numbers chapter 4, God gives clear instructions on who is to, to transport the ark, right? It's supposed to be a work that was reserved for, for the descendants of Kohath, for, for these Levites and for these priests. They were set aside and they were consecrated for this work. But clearly, David never even considered including them in transporting the ark. Instead of yielding this work to holy men, to, to the sons of Kohath, David uses men like Uzzah to transport the ark. And Uzzah's name in Hebrew, it literally means strength. Right? His name means strength. And so we have these defiled and unconsecrated hands trying to help God in their own strength. I wonder why that didn't work. Man, have you been there? Uzzah represents everyone that thinks God needs their help. Uzzah was not anointed. He was not appointed. He was not authorized to touch the ark. And it cost him his life. The Ark of the Covenant was an expression of God dwelling in Israel. And in God, he is a holy God, and no flesh can glory in his presence. We ought to be holy for our Lord. Our, our God is holy, right? And as we seek the presence of the Lord, we have to deal with sin in our life, right? But this, we ought to have reverence as we seek the Lord. We have to deal with sin in our life. We have to relinquish any confidence that we might have in our flesh, in our way. So keep a question number two. Do you approach your time with God in reverence? Man, do you, do you see that time for what it is? It's special. We get to consider the very words of God. He wants to dwell with us. We get to be in his presence. Do you confess your sin and acknowledge the weakness of your flesh as you enter into his presence? We have to. And if we're bringing that before God, before the Lord, man, what's he going to do with us? You know? No wonder we're coming up dry. Lastly, David's response revealed a great deal about where his heart was. He gave up. In verse 8, it tells us that, that David was displeased. He was frustrated with the Lord. He decided uh, that there's no way to move the ark. Right? He threw up his hands and decided to, to just leave the ark there. Right? To, to walk away. To leave the presence of God in Obed-Edom. So David walks away, and so with this, we see that, that David had a lazy approach as he employed a, a new cart to transport the ark. He had an unconsecrated approach as he employed Uzzah and Ahio to transport the ark. And ultimately, we learn that he wasn't determined. David decided in that moment of opposition that it wasn't worth it, that it wasn't worth it. We must bring an unwavering desire to be in the presence of the Lord when we seek him. An unwavering desire to be in the presence of the Lord. His presence is where we find blessing. It's where we find peace. It's where we find comfort. It's where we find life. It's interesting as we consider the passage, it says that he left it there with Obed-Edom, right? And, and that Obed-Edom means one who serves the Edomites. One who serves the Edomites. As you start studying out the Bible and figure out who these Edomites are, they were descendants of a man called Esau. And historically, the, the Edomites in Israel, 
They were at odds against each other. So much so that there are entire books in the Bible where, where God condemns and casts judgments on the Edomites. And even old Obed was getting blessed, y'all. Right? It's crazy. Wherever the presence of God is placed, blessing is inevitable. And this ought to motivate us to have a relentless pursuit of seeking the Lord. So some other questions. Do you approach your time with God in an unwavering pursuit to hear from him? Man, is this just another task on your checklist? Or are you actually approaching and you're digging until you hear from God, right? We must be like Jacob. Jacob was unwilling to let go of God until he got blessed. Man, that's got to be us. <clears throat> so, maybe God wasn't being ridiculous and unreasonable for striking down Musa, right? Uh, when we fail to seek the presence of the Lord, uh, when our sins, when our distractions lead us to place uh, where we've given up, how do we move forward from there? Uh, that's a real question. We see what the problems were. We see, man, you know, I shouldn't have done this in seeking the presence of the Lord. No wonder I came up dry. But what's the proper response? How, how do we move forward now? Luckily, we see that David, he doesn't just end there, right? So he, he left the presence of God, the glory of God, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, with Obed-Edom for, for three months, it tells us. Uh, by verse 12, we see that he's having second thoughts about this. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 says, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Man, that's all it took. Y'all, Obed, he's getting blessed. David's like, oh, I want some of that, right? And, and all that pertained to him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord without shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, um, Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw uh, King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart as they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And so here we see that the testimony gets back to David about the blessing being poured out in the house of Obed-Edom. And once David catches wind of these blessings, he's determined to claim them for himself. And so David went to bring forth the ark with gladness, it says. And then this brings us to key point number one. We have to have a relentless pursuit of the Lord and be willing to, to keep pursuing even, at, even after having past failures. So man, whenever it's hard, when it, when it feels like you're, you're just throwing you know, your prayers, when it feels like you're reading a brick wall, Man, continue to pursue. Lean in. Uh, start reading this book until this book starts reading you. Sam says, prime the pump, right? And in Proverbs 24, uh, verse 16, talks about how a just man falls seven times and he gets back up. He rises up again, right? And in Psalm 119, verse 1, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Yeah, seek him with our whole heart, y'all. Verse 10 in Psalm uh, 119 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. 
but let me not wander from thy commandments. Man, that should be our prayer. The instruction here is very, very clear. We must continue to pursue uh, after the Lord, even after coming up empty-handed, even after coming up dry. We can't settle to watch others live in the blessings and promises of God. We have to seek him with our whole heart. Once David was determined to do so, he was able to do it with gladness. I would see a complete 180 in his countenance. Key point number two, we must approach the Lord in reverence and consecration. We have to approach the Lord in reverence and consecration. You might remember that David lacked reverence and consecration uh, whenever he first approached moving the ark, right? Instead of hiring the men that God set aside for this work, David allowed Uzzah to handle the ark. And Uzzah represents the flesh. He has unconsecrated hands. And then whenever he touched the ark, it resulted in his death. This time we see the priests and the Levites are called to bring forward the ark. And when we see this, we compare it to, to a similar passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. That, that he goes forward and he finds the proper men to do this work. And in verse 14 of 1 Chronicles chapter 15, uh, it talks about how they sanctified themselves before approaching the ark. We see a complete shift in their approach, right? Now they're taking this time very seriously. Uh, they're showing reverence. Uh, they're, they're sanctifying themselves. And we even see that they're making sacrifices. It says every six paces a sacrifice was made. Clearly David had done a 180 in his approach to moving the ark. This time the approach is sanctified and sacrificed. This brings incredible insight to us on how we should approach our time in the Word. Now, we should examine ourselves, whether there be any evil way in us. Uh, we, we, we need to come ready to, to make sacrifice unto God. It's our reasonable service. We have to lay down our lives. We've got to surrender our thoughts, our ideas, our desires, and yield to Christ. Right? That, that's what it costs. Key point number three. Time and work are required to enter into his rest. Oh, that's tough. Like, you know my schedule? No, I don't. But it's worth it, right? Remember, previously, David was using a cart to transport the ark. And again, we, we all decided that this would be faster. It would be more efficient. It would be less labor-intensive. But it wasn't how God commanded them to move the ark. This time, we see that the Levites and priests put the ark on poles as they were instructed to. Right? They, they did it God's way, according to his instruction. It says that every six paces they sacrifice oxen and fatling. I think that took some time. Every six paces, sacrificing oxen and fatlings. At the time, y'all, this is hard work. I don't know if you can imagine just one, being one of the people holding the poles, and then every six paces you got to stop while they're making sacrifices. Like, oh, come on, you know. We just hold out our, our hands in prayer, and we're like, oh, my gosh. So every six paces, they're making sacrifices of oxen and fatlings. Uh, again, this is hard work. Uh, what if we approach God's word that way? What, what if every six verses you, you stopped to consider personal application? Saying to yourself, Lord, you know, how can I die in this passage? Uh, how can you get glory out of my life in this passage? What, man, how are you dealing with me in this passage? You know? You see, this time David wasn't in a hurry. It would take as long as necessary and be as labor-intensive as necessary. But he was determined to dwell in the presence of God. And I want to make something clear. Our God 
he's a good guy, right? And he's made it so that we can approach him and that we can be in his presence. And seeking his presence, you know, we can't settle for good intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people settle for good intentions. Oh, man, I'm seeking God. What does that even mean? It doesn't just matter that we seek God. It matters how we seek God. Yeah. Right? It doesn't just matter that we seek God. It matters how we seek God. He has communicated clear to us how we ought to seek him and how we ought to enter into his presence. And so often people completely ignore these instructions. Uh, there's a passage in John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by him. Right? And it makes it very clear that there's only one way to God, and that's by Jesus. <clears throat> Aside from that, he, he claims that he is truth and life. And so if you're seeking God any other way outside of Christ, then you might have really good intentions, but it's wrong. The Bible makes it clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The sins in my life, and again, we've all committed sins. I'm chief. The sins in our lives have earned us death, but Jesus was not willing that any should perish. Right? He loved us so much that he gave up his life. And if we'd simply accept that free gift, man, he would take, he already did, he bore our sins, and he's willing to give us his life. <clears throat> Jesus is the way to the Father, and we continue to seek, you know, other ways. It's crazy. <clears throat> so, next time you sit down and, and read your Bible, uh, and you hit a brick wall, uh, when your time of the Word is dry, uh, man, I pray that you would think uh, of David's example. Uh, we can't give up, right? We have to keep at it. Our approach to this time has to be with reverence. We have to come sanctified and ready to make sacrifice. Uh, to, to know up front that it may require time and work. But that time and that work are worth it. For David, God established his throne. Not just for a few years, just the, the next chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 7. You see that, that God established David's throne forever. An eternal throne, right? That throne shall be established forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. And so as I close, I'd love to pray for you. Uh, some of you may be saying, you know, I have no idea what it looks like to seek the Lord. You know, maybe uh, you see the blessings, maybe you see the joy and the peace that comes from pursuing a relationship with Christ through his word, uh, but you just don't know where to start. Man, come grab me. Others of you might be wrestling with whether Jesus is someone worth pursuing a relationship with at all. And to that, I can say, yes, yes, he absolutely is. And so if that's something that, that, that you're struggling with, I'd love to meet with you. And for others, this maybe hits home. Maybe you're in a season where, where sitting at Christ's feet is very, very difficult. Maybe you've grown apathetic. And to all of you, I'd say that, that Jesus is worth pursuing. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yeah. But that word diligently is a big word that we often overlook. <clears throat> so if any uh, uh, of this rings home, uh, man, I pray that you wouldn't leave without talking to someone. Uh, whether uh, grabbing someone that, that brought you, talking with me, talking with Andrew, 
uh, we, we love that time. Uh, but I'm just going to close in prayer, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, but thanks again for, for having me. Uh, Lord, we, we do thank you that you're not hidden. Uh, Lord, you desire fellowship with us. Uh, and you make yourself available. And so often, uh, we're not willing in to, to put in the hard work to meet you. We're not willing to uh, to deal with the, the sins in our life, to deal with our flesh. We're, we're not willing to take the time to sit with you, uh, to meet with you. Uh, and you're still so faithful, Lord. And so, Lord, uh, as we, we wrap tonight, Lord, uh, Lord, I pray uh, that we would have an unwavering desire uh, to be in your presence, uh, to spend time with you through your word, uh, to spend time with you in prayer, uh, because it's worth it, uh, because in that relationship there's blessing and there's joy and there's peace. Uh, Lord, you've been so good, and I thank you for uh, just teaching me through this, Lord, and helping me get to a place uh, where just like David, I could come back and seek your presence, Lord, uh, because it's worth it. Uh, just in prayer. Amen. Amen.